Hello, and welcome to the first episode of The Dungeon Pastors. My name is Derek White, and this is my friend... Stephen Taylor. And we want to welcome you to what we hope is the first of many video blogs slash podcasts slash whatevers hmm. uh, out here in the world. And uh, we just want to take a few minutes to introduce ourselves to you for those who may not be familiar with who we are and what we do. So I'm going to go ahead, take the ball or take the dice and roll it over to my friend, Stephen, because he won initiative. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm Stephen Taylor. Um, I am uh, not actually technically really a pastor. I've not had any formal training or anything like that, but I do do lots and lots and lots of um, tabletop ministry sort of stuff. Um, I worked for a church for three years doing all of the outreach, and now I work at a library as the uh, chief librarian for a nautical college. So I shall roll the dice back over to, ah, that way, back over that to way, That way, yeah. which way? That way, way, that way. We don't know, we don't know. Uh, and, and you can't do anything geekier than uh, being a librarian. I mean, come on, come on. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and uh, my name is Derek White. Uh, I'm known uh, in gaming circles online and the internet as the Geek Preacher. Uh, I've been doing this uh, for almost 12 years, maybe 13 years. Sometimes the, the dates get a little hazy. Uh, I'm a United Methodist minister in Tennessee that is in the good old United States of America. And uh, I'm a longtime gamer, been playing Dungeons and Dragons and tabletop games since the early 1980s. And I'm also, uh, I guess you could say, a gaming chaplain. I'm a chaplain for the Gary Kahn Gaming Convention, uh, which is held annually in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin in March to honor uh, the co-creator of Dungeons and Dragons, Gary Gygax, as well as other many of the early luminaries. And I've done that uh, for a number of years now. I've also spoken at various gaming conventions uh, when they have uh, Sunday worship services and they'd like an ecumenical speaker. Uh, I'm someone that's been invited to do that. I've uh, preached at Gen Con and Origins and a few other smaller conventions and have been a guest on numerous podcasts, but never a podcaster. Always a guest, never a podcaster. Hey, hopefully, hopefully, from now on. So that's a little bit about me. I feel like All I right. should expand on mine a little bit now. <laughs> oh, that's okay. Hey, what I want you to do, Stephen, is I want you to tell us a little bit of what that outreach looked like. Because one of the reasons I wanted to do this with Stephen is Stephen is currently working on a book to mm -hmm. uh, help people understand why it's important for churches to reach out uh, to the gaming community and how they can go about doing it. So I want Stephen to share with you guys today what that has looked like for them in his context. And also, Stephen, tell us where you're at in the United Kingdom. Right, so start with the easy bit, which is I'm in Northwest England, um, living just outside of Blackpool. Um, so if you hear some, you know, Northwestern vowels and stretching out oohs, cooking from the cookbook and all that sort of stuff, that's where that comes from. Um, right, so 
uh, stuff that I've been doing. I run a website called jamesforall.net, um, which is a, a, a resource for people out there to use games of all sorts of varieties, tabletop, board game, war games, um, video games, all, all, all the fun stuff um, to connect kids to the gospel as well as to figure out who they are as a person whilst at the same time telling the parents what on earth these games are at the same point. Um, going back with my history of games, oh, how long have I been gaming? Since I was two, probably, I think. My, um, my big grands, or my granddad, um, had an Atari way back when. Uh, I'll say way back when. Some people, it's not way back when, but it is to me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, I'm feeling old the... right now, Stephen. I'm <laughs> feeling old because I remember when the Atari came out. I yes. do remember. <laughs> but I, I distinctly remember playing R-Type on that all the time. Yeah. Um, and then I remember getting my first video games console. I got a Sega Mega... No. Sega Master System for my birthday. And me and my brother fought so much over it, it got returned and changed for a bike within 24 hours. <laughs> <laughs> you know, how these things go. And I've just enjoyed gaming since then. Um, mostly video games. I did enjoy Dungeons & Dragons and I enjoyed Warhammer. Um, but I, I had the things for myself and nobody to play it with, which is sad. But I think that's the same for many people. They don't have... They feel like there's not a community that they can go and easily join the the shops. Um, back then it was just Games Workshop. And it was great. We, we went every now and again on a Sunday, but I definitely didn't feel I could go in there on my own as a young pre-teen, teenage boy. Um, I felt a bit overwhelmed by that sort of thing. So um, I'd collect the figures, sometimes play it with my brother, usually end up with him smashing the pieces on the floor because he'd lost. But, you know, Ooh. that's how it goes. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> with Games Workshop figures. That's expensive. Yeah. yeah. But, mind you, I was 10 and he was 8. So it kind of... it That's excusable, in a way, from an 8-year-old. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so gaming was always a part all the way through my life. Got to university and... Um, became the, the president of the Science Fiction and Fantasy Society of Harriet Watch University for three years in a row. Yes, three years. Um, geek cred, yes. Yeah, that's um, huge geek cred. <laughs> and uh, again, same sort of thing, bringing sci-fi and anime and stuff like that to people. Well, not much anime. There was an anime society as well, and there was a gaming society and things like that at the uh, uni, so we didn't want to tread on toes, but working with that sort of stuff, playing Magic the Gathering in our Starbucks and getting kicked out because we were scaring the other patrons. That was always good. Um, and then I became a teacher after doing uni. In teaching, I set up after-school clubs for the geeky kids because they're the ones who don't have anything. Yeah, my sad story of you know not having anybody to play it with. Kids still have it now, so I thought I'll give this a shot and see what happens. And I had a tenth of the school population coming every Wednesday night. Wow! So sixty kids. That's awesome. <laughs> to um, every Wednesday night to do Dungeons and Dragons, to watch anime, to um, read 
sci-fi geeky books to play Warhammer stuff, all of that. Uh, and it was those kids who wouldn't necessarily be doing sports. They wouldn't necessarily be doing um, the team-based activities. The ones who, the loners, basically, those who struggle to make social circles and it allowed them to build their social circle through it. So it was really, really powerful. And as I left teaching and I came into doing ministry stuff, I thought, well, it worked there. So let's see if it'll work here. And I was slightly cheeky and put in a bid for uh, £1,500 without asking permission first. And won it. Well, won £1,000 of it, not, not the full 1000 You always bid more and then you get what you actually wanted. Um, and used that to set up a board game evening, uh, which is called Your Turn, and sort of kicked off all of this sort of stuff. Um, unfortunately... How long ago? How long ago was that, Stephen? That was two years ago now that I got that bid. Uh, uh, Three years ago that I put it in, two years ago I got it approved and set everything up, just over two years ago. Um, uh, And I was working for that church for three years overall, and unfortunately it has things to do with churches. The funding went out. So um, hence me now in a new job entirely that isn't Christian in its focus at all, but it is giving me more freedom to do stuff like this, which is great. Um, and uh, I'm helping support people all around the Northwest and all around the country do board game ministry. I've been to um, Spring Harvest. I've been to uh, the New Wine uh, United 19 Conference. I've done Blackburn Diocese and Children's Conference and a few other things dotted around the country just going and talking about this. And it was off the back of that that I got asked would you write a book? So that's what I'm currently trying to do slowly because <laughs> I want to get it right. So That's okay. Yeah. That's okay. Now, now, first I would say that while you said what you're doing right now is not specifically Christian, mm. I would say that, uh, yes, it is. Uh, be, simply because uh, one of the things you have in the United Kingdom we don't always have in the U.S., is you have a strong connection between the church and education. Um, that is true. The church, the church, uh, you know, having been and studied at Cambridge for a little bit myself, seeing the emphasis and the history in the United Kingdom of the church's desire for education in the mm-hmm. sciences. I mean, you have astrophysicists who are clergy. Yes, we <laughs> do. We do. And, that's unheard of here in America. Most of our clergy are former lawyers trying to make up for their numerous <laughs> sins. Yeah. <laughs> so. I do actually have a really good book, uh, which I would go and get, but I'm not going to stand up and show you myself in my pajamas, um, called God in the Lab. Yeah, it's it's currently coming up to half ten, so I'll, I'll be going to bed after this, hence being in my PJs. Um, That's right. But it's... Uh, yeah, You'll uh, be going to bed while I get ready to cook dinner. Well, well, actually, it's Tuesday for us here, and my wife has told me we're going to pick up tacos at this wonderful mm-hmm. Mexican grocery store right down the road. So, <sighs> And tacos are gamer food. Yes, they certainly are. I'm not jealous at all. No, honestly. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah the, the book God in the Lab, which is scientists talking about how being scientists – has made them understand God exists. Which is, you know, there's, there's so many things like that out there, which are amazing. And, and I would say you do a much better job of it 
because well, as people who have followed me for a long time on Facebook and Twitter know that one of my favorite theologians and favorite speakers of all time is, and his name shall be said with reverence, Bishop N.T. Wright, or retired mm -hmm. Bishop N.T. Wright. Mm -hmm. uh, he uh, transformed my life through his writings. I've had the pleasure of meeting him twice uh, at two different times in my life. Uh, he would probably not remember neither one of them other than uh, looking strangely in, when I was 26. He looked up strangely when I was at a conference where he was speaking. There were only 20-something people in the room, maybe 30-something. Mm -hmm. And when he said something really wonderful, I did like most Southern Americans would do in church. I went, amen, brother. That's right. <laughs> Preach it. And he looked up with that wonderful, uh, educated British look that said, what in the hell is going on? And yeah. So, in Britain, but, we don't do loud exclamations that much. Yes. It's more, like, uh, yes, 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 indeed, yes. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Yes. Top of the day. Top of the morning. Top of the, yes. So, uh, well, uh, thank you, Stephen, for sharing that. I, that's one of the things I'm a little envious that Stephen's gotten to do that, but other people tell me they're envious of some of the things I've done. But you've done most of his hair. Uh, but, uh, you know, these are things we enjoy, we love doing. And, and one of the reasons, as Stephen and I were talking about putting this podcast, blog, whatever you want to call it together, um, one of the things we talked about is one of the reasons we do this. And Stephen shared a good part of that. Mm. And that is uh, that he wanted to connect people who felt alone and did not have a place to gain. He wanted to give them a space to do that. Now, as Christians and as a clergy person and uh, myself, one of the things I've tried to do is connect people in the church to communities that they have ostracized in the past. When I was growing up in the 1980s, uh, there was a lot of negativity about tabletop gaming, especially Dungeons and Dragons. Then in my 20s, I saw that done with Magic the Gathering in the 2000s. We've seen it with Harry Potter and various other media. What's the thing we're hating on now? Uh, what is yeah. the newest thing? Uh, probably Fortnite, to be honest. Fortnite. That tends to be the thing. Fortnite, other things like that. Even when I was coming up, uh, I saw this early in the 1990s in uh, my first full-time paid ministry position. I was a youth pastor, and mm -hmm. I remember the senior pastor getting mad at me because I told the kids to bring some quarters when we went to the skating ring so they could play the video games. And the pastor said, we don't like them video games for our kids. Yeah. Three years later, when I came back to visit that pastor after I'd left, went off to school for a little while, walked into his house, and his grandson was playing a Nintendo. <laughs> and so I, I've seen the changes over the course of my life. Mm. I've seen uh, the church uh, be very negative toward the gaming community. <sighs> and uh, in being negative toward the gaming community, uh, what has happened, it, one, it's made many gamers outside the church feel as if Christians don't like them, as if because they're gamers, they are intrinsically evil. Mm -hmm. And then for many Christians who are inside the church, they've either left the church or had to keep their hobby in the proverbial closet. And I have met people 
all across that spectrum, those who just think the church hates them to those who have been driven out of the church, as well as a number who felt like they had to be quiet about it. Mm. And now that we're seeing a resurgence of our hobbies like Dungeons and Dragons, that's where the title, the Dragon Pastors comes from. Uh, Most of you probably heard the term the Dungeon Master or the Dungeon Masters if you're watching this podcast or listening to this podcast. And most of you heard that term. And that term was came up by our friend Mike Perna of Inroads Ministry. He's amazing. Mike's just a beautiful, beautiful person. Uh, and Inroads Ministries is a tabletop ministry. We want to get gaming ministry. We want to give a shout out to because mm. they work with me at GaryCon. And what they do, and that's one of the things that gets me excited about it, is they bring an entire board game library to GaryCon. We have sometimes five to six volunteers who volunteer for 12 hours a day during the convention. And what they do is they allow people to come in and check out games. They do not get paid for it. There is no remuneration whatsoever. Uh, They do this simply as volunteers, and they're doing this because GaryCon is a secular gaming convention. It is not a religious gaming convention. The reason I'm the chaplain is because Luke Gygax, uh, one of Gary's children, uh, who uh, coordinates GaryCon, is the owner of GaryCon, because Luke is in the military and the military is very familiar with chaplains. Mm. And, uh, and so he saw the need for a chaplain there. And so I asked inroads when we needed a new board game library, I asked inroads if they would come up and do that. They volunteered to do it because they want to show people that Christians are not, not all Christians, hashtag, not all Christians (laughs) are, uh, yeah, there we go. Hashtag, (laughs) not all Christians are anti-gaming. Because many of us, especially those my age and younger, this is the world we grew up in. These are the things we enjoy and love. I mean, look at my wall behind me. I mean, you see this. uh, You know, some of this stuff is new. Some of it's old. Some of it's things I had to recover because I didn't have my games from when I was a kid. Like many of us, they get lost in the shuffles and moves. But, but I love gaming. It's a passion, and I love it because I get to sit around the table, make jokes with friends, get to eat and have snacks and have a wonderful time. And for me, uh, Steve and I have talked about this privately before. For me, that is the heart of the ministry of Jesus. Uh, as my friend Lynn Sweet says, Jesus ate good food with bad people. Yep. Uh, I, I don't always like that expression. I think Jesus ate good food with all the people he loved Mm. and Jesus loved all people. Jesus ate food with everybody. And part of our tabletop ministry, would you say Stephen? So should we. Exactly. Exactly. Any excuse to eat good food is, uh, is a win on my book, you know, and to then say, I'm doing it for Jesus. It's like, yep. And for my belly. For my belly. (laughs) Get in my belly. You know, and if you can eat good food, or, you know, uh, a good food and roll some dice and play some games. I mean, what better way? I mean, God has created us for joy and happiness. Uh, uh, one scripture we've quoted many times, you'll hear people quote it a lot. He gave us life and he gave us abundant life. 
And part of that abundant life is just living a life of joy and happiness. And one of the things we can do with gaming is when our friends, whether they're Christians or not, if they're feeling down, they're hurting, they're having a bad day, come on, sit down at the table with me. Let's play a few games. Let's eat. Let's talk. Let's just spend time together. And, uh, you know, uh, one of the reasons we're doing this as a video is because Stephen and I want that face-to-face communication. We live in a in a world where we don't talk with each other enough, where it's easy to shoot off a text or a Facebook message, an email, slip into somebody's DMs and say something really cruel. But when we can actually have conversations, life gets a lot better. Sometimes it gets a lot messier, but it also gets a lot better. It certainly does. Yeah. Well, uh, let's see if we covered everything. Uh, We've talked about how churches should create these. Oh, we did not talk about that. Uh, Why do you think, Stephen, it's important churches should be the ones creating opening and welcoming spaces? Because you've done this both in the church and outside the church. Yeah. um, (laughs) There's a lot of research into this at the moment from all sorts of different places. But the place that I first heard about this sort of steps thing um, was a a charity called Christian Vision for Men, which is an amazing charity. Um, Obviously focused on men. um, And uh, and they started the talk that I went and saw um, by saying that men are like glaciers. We're frozen at the mouth. We don't know how to talk. So it's, uh, it's really difficult for men to open up in general. And a lot of the time the, the shields come up and people don't speak. Um, so they came up with this stepped approach to evangelism, with four different levels to it. The first one is you just do something welcoming. You do something for the community that they can come along to and you have no ulterior motive whatsoever. You are there to build friends because... If you're not building friendships with them, they're not going to listen to you. Gone are the days when you could just... uh, People used to have levels of respect for teachers, for doctors, for vicars. That doesn't exist anymore. It's now fear most of the time. A a sort of a pervasive distrust running through. And there's various reasons for that that we'll go into more detail at a later date, I'm sure. And some of those reasons are legitimate reasons. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, very. You know, I mean, I understand that. I mean, I grew up, and here's something I want to add to that, Stephen. Is is that level of distrust has been brewing Mm. since before both of us were born? Yeah. And so, a lot of people in the church who are maybe a generation older than me, a few generations older than Stephen, they think, "Oh, this mistrust is something new." No, it's not. No. Uh, this is what we grew up with. We grew up with that level of mistrust of clergy, that level of mistrust of the church. Mm-hmm. And so I would say one of the things we could do in, in opening up our churches as these safe and welcoming spaces, as doing that, maybe we can gain some of that trust back. Because exactly. we have to earn, trust is earned. Mm-hmm. And it, it shouldn't just automatically be given. We've seen this with, uh, all of these people, all of the things going on in the world today that, that you know, some people have just been given trust naturally, mm. and that's not always healthy. It's not no. always healthy. So, yeah, but 
that's basically what this is all about. It's building that level of trust. So you've got your level one evangelism. Uh, evangelism isn't evangelicalism, by the way. Evangelism is just talking about the gospel. It's talking about Jesus and how Jesus has affected our lives. Evangelical is um, a, a style of church that's focused on the Bible, specifically, usually. Uh, so you're, you're yeah. telling me that true evangelism is just sharing our stories? Pretty much, yeah. What? So yeah. everybody, whether they're a Christian or not, is an evangelist as long as they share stories? Wow. Almost. It's got to be a story about how Jesus is affecting your life. Okay. That makes you an evangelist. Yes. Okay. So evangelism is where you're talking about how Jesus has impacted you personally, and you're talking about the, how the good news has impacted you. Um. So if we um, if we're creating areas where people can come and build friendships with us, they're then going to ask you, "Why are you doing this? You know, why why do you believe in God? Why why are you at a church doing this? Why is it not just a secular thing?" And at that point, you can then say, "Oh, it's because I'm a Christian because I believe that Jesus, you know, died on the cross to save us from our sins, so we can, you know." get into heaven and get to the best place, get to the party at the end. You know, all, all these different things that you can then expand upon. I'm not going to go into great depth because I can talk for ages about it. Hence me <laughs> deliberately cutting myself down on it. Um, all right. it. It gives you that chance to have a chat with people about it, to answer their questions, to get rid of some of that fear and distrust. Then you can go to the further levels. So you've got level two where people give their testimonies. You've got level three where you do some form of exploratory course um, where people can understand um, what Christians believe a little bit better. And then finally you get to worship. And many, many churches skip the first two sets and take you straight to number three. Exactly. Yes. Read that book. See, that one. see who I have? See who I have there? Yes. Tell me I don't like British theologians. <laughs> uh, and I was actually in a documentary with this fellow right here uh, called The Fantasy Makers, which you can find that on Amazon Prime or uh, pick up the DVD. I don't get any royalties or anything from that. So It is it's well worth watching. Um, uh, we'll put a link to it in wherever we put this up somehow. Yeah, we can wherever out. we end up getting this uh, out. <laughs> Hopefully we're going to have this. We know it's going to be up on YouTube. We know we're going to try and do this on podcast uh, format as well with the audio. Uh, so uh, those of you who, are, who may just hear the audio, I was sharing a book uh, by Ro Rowan Williams called Being Christian, Baptism, Bible, Eucharist, and Prayer. I'm actually planning on reading through this and maybe using this in our church setting. Um, one of the things I would I would share is one of the things I've done in my years uh, with the gaming community. I have a number of friends who are atheists, agnostics, uh, many who consider themselves pagans or Buddhists. But the interesting thing for me has been the majority of them, when they have a difficult moment in their life, have turned to me because I've built up that level of trust. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so I'd say part of being an evangelist, so to speak, is being that compassionate person who offers good news 
in the midst of life's difficult moments. Mm. Being that presence of Jesus in someone's life, uh, a, a scripture that's been going through my mind lately uh, because I, I, we've lost some people in the gaming community, uh, someone I knew, uh, we've lost a couple this year. And uh, I knew one of them in passing, one of them I knew a little bit better. Uh, Steve Johansson worked with Kinzer Co. And uh, I'd met Steve numerous times because Jolly Blackburn is a close, close friend. And the passage of scripture keeps going through my mind is blessed are those who mourn for they mm. shall be comforted. And I realize that if I am to be Jesus's presence in the world, when people are experiencing those difficult moments, whether it's mourning, whether, whether it's a loss of a loved one, whether it's a loss of a job or whatever, in opening up our churches as safe spaces, as places where people can come and play games and just know that, that nobody's going to be judging them for who they are or what they wear. When we do that, we can literally be, and I mean this literally, even though we overuse that word, we can be God's presence of grace and mercy in those moments. Mm -hmm. And uh, that, that is something, um, uh, you know, in my tradition, we call prevenient grace. It is God's grace in those moments. So that's how I view what I do a lot of times as being an agent of God's love and mercy. And if people come to faith, I'm excited about that. If people become a part of the church, I'm excited about that. But if they don't, I'm still going to love them. I'm still going to care for them. I'm not going to condemn them to a fiery furnace. You know, in fact, uh, probably what I'll do is I'll say, hey, let's play a game and let's go kill some devils and demons in the game because that makes for a fun game. Uh, you know, when the bad guys are bad. This whole thing is you're making friends. That's what yeah. it's all about. You're making friends who you can enjoy the company of. And if they happen to be young Christians at the end of it, brilliant. If they don't, still brilliant. You've got friends. So. Exactly. And so I think we're going to start wrapping up now. So to wrap us up, um, I'm, we're, I'm going to ask Stephen a question, and then I'm going to try and answer it as well. Uh, what is the, the, your favorite game you're playing right now? Oh, it would video probably, game in yeah. anything, yeah. anything. It would probably be Guild Ball. That's the one that I'm focusing on the most at the moment. I've only had one game of it so far. That's this one here. And it is, what's the best way to describe it? Full contact um, to the death football. Uh, and by football, I mean you know, British football, kicking the ball around the pitch, not American football, which is just um, a weaker version of rugby. Oh. No, no, I, I think American football is much more dangerous than rugby, but that's because we, uh, well, I, I'm not going to get into, I, I've just know some folks who have had some really bad concussions from that. Yes. So I, I have some issues with the way we, we play football in America. Uh, mm. But, uh, and that, that's a health thing. Not that I don't like the sport. It's a health thing. Yeah. So don't, don't shut me off yet. Uh, so the game I'm playing right now, uh, the, the one I'm really enjoying is I'm playing in a Call of Cthulhu game once a month. Uh, it's, uh, and I have tried to say this name on other podcasts. It's called Mass of Narl Hotep. 
Uh, it's set in the 1920s. I really enjoy it. And uh, I've been reading through, see, I keep my stuff close by <laughs> because I'm going to be running some Cthulhu in a couple of months at GaryCon. And so I've been reading through Pulp Cthulhu, which tries to keep you from having as high a mortality rate. <laughs> so if you've ever played Cthulhu, uh, th th this is supposed to let you live a little bit longer. So I think it's going to be perfect for convention play. Because, mm. you know, while a TPK for a DM can be fun in a gaming convention, a total party kill is not as much fun for the players most of the time. If you do it right, it could be fun for everybody. But I try and avoid those if at all possible. Mm. Unless you're an idiot, then you're going to die. <laughs> yeah, that seems a fair way of doing it. Well, uh, here I am signing off saying, may all your hits be crits, and may the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you and grant you peace in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.